0: is the bloody disgusting podcast network don't you blame the movies movies don't create psychos Movies make psychos more creative. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio.
1: This is Trevor, and for myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome to episode 211. This time around, you are joined by Heidi Shepherd and Carla Harvey of. Of Butcher Babies. This band has horror in their DNA. Hear about the movies they love, how they've infused it into their music, their passion for comic books, collecting, interest in true crime, and so much more. Their new single, Yorktown, is out now at a time of release March 27th, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, 2 a.m. Central, and on demand for one week after. Butcher Babies invite you to Goliath Live Worldwide. A streaming event where the band will be performing their debut album, Goliath, front to back for the first time in almost a decade, plus new and old songs. ButcherBabies.com for tickets. Episode 211 with Butcher Babies starts now. Hey,
2: this is Heidi. And this is Carla from Butcher Babies. And this is another terrifying episode of The Boo Crew.
0: screen that's all we need another victim crawls onto the gurney for a boo crew autopsy
1: joining bloody disgustings boo crew via the speakeasy studio are two of the most exciting singer-songwriters in rock their career trajectory is absolutely thrilling originally joining forces in LA they lit a fire up and down the sunset strip with residencies in the most storied venues in music history like the Roxy, the Viper Room, and more, and they brought them down to their fucking knees. Every show was sold out, and the scene became obsessed with their blood-drenched theatrics, energy, and musicianship. The two embarked on a new, even more visceral project together, an act of war from the stage, an all-out attack on the audience that was as immersive as it was embracing. They became one of the biggest draws in Hollywood and are credited with revitalizing the Sunset Strip metal scene. They released a self-titled EP in 2012, followed by their debut album, Goliath. It went to the Billboard 200 within its first week of release. They toured relentlessly on the world's biggest festivals and with everyone from In This Moment to Danzig, Rob Zombie, and more. 2015's Take It Like a Man went straight to the top five, with their latest album, Lilith, debuting at number one on Apple's metal charts and on radio everywhere there's a new chapter brewing its secrets are steeped in the melodies and power on recent singles bottom of a bottle sleeping with the enemy and the newly released yorktown that completely encapsulates their singular inventiveness there is truly nothing else like them out there it's inspiring fierce and fun we are honored to welcome heidi shepherd and carla harvey from butcher babies yes i loved your intro that was amazing thank you that
2: everyday of my
1: life. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for spending some time with us. We are massive yeah. fans of all that you do. So first of all, congratulations on this incredible new single and video for Yorktown that we want to talk about yeah. in a bit. I wanted to start off by getting super geeky for a second, delving into the band's creative relationship with the horror genre. Much yeah. like the best directors and writers out there, you have incorporated elements of the power of that imagery, both visually and lyrically To reflect upon things like social and political issues or things like I Smell a Massacre that's torn right out of the headlines. What were your earliest personal experiences with the horror genre? We could start with you, Carla.
3: Well, you know, I grew up in I'm a little older than Heidi. So I grew up uh, around a lot of 80s horror stuff. I remember like probably the first time I really saw a horror movie that kind of creeped me out in a bunch of different ways uh, was Hellraiser because I was watching it with my dad and there was a, a sex scene from what I remember. And I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. I can't <laughs> be watching. <laughs> 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 so I was on the level just trying to ignore the fact that we're both in the same room. But that was the first movie that I thought was just the whole look. I was really into to rock and roll at the time I was, you know, I'd say I found rock and roll with guns and roses. And then I moved on to, to metal from there. But the whole look of a movie like Hellraiser was really rock and roll, you know, really cool. And a lot of the 80s horror had, you know, the 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 token rock songs in it. So it kind of went together for me. And so I fell in love with both at the same time and always been a fan of both. And then, you know, mixing the genres together became, you know, second nature, I guess, growing up and then, um You know, as I was also had a fascination with death and dying, I eventually became a mortician. So all of those little things together, all those fascinations kind of made me who I am today and definitely played a huge role in the band kind of taking on this horror look when we first started out.
1: And how about you, Heidi?
2: So. Growing up, my first movie I saw with my dad was Scream, and I remember it was the first horror movie I was able to sit down and watch, and he finally was like, okay, you're old enough, you can watch this with me, but I grew up in the more of the new metal era, where the makeup, the horror, and metal just came hand in hand, so... When we first started, it was almost a natural thing to bring out the blood and the horror aspect. We had half stacks with dead body parts, you know, maybe they were real. <laughs> 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 you know, we had body parts hanging out and it was more natural than any like type of like faking it or anything. It really felt like it came from the heart and from us. We've written a lot of songs about serial killers, a lot of songs that are very horror based. And to us, I believe that it is the most interesting thing in the world for us fear. I remember when I first saw a picture of Slipknot, it was on a T-shirt. Some kid at the skate park was wearing it and I, I, I snuck out from my parents' house and went to the skate park and l- hanging out with the metal kids. My parents did not approve, of course. And I remember seeing Slipknot and it terrified me at first. I, the, these masks and it's so wild and I had to know what it was. I had to be a part of it. And I think that's where my fascination with metal and fear came together to this day metal fear comics everything those emotions encompass in metal and and I love it you know seeing us on stage we definitely have a great time but our music is you our, our songs are really serious we take them seriously but on stage it's a party so <laughs> so now we kind of like to implicate the party side into it too but yeah man like blood and metal
4: just go hand in hand
1: right they really do what we get yeah.
4: Are there any horror movies that you guys have seen recently that stood out to you?
3: I really loved um, I'm not a big movie watcher anymore, but my boyfriend is. And so we watch I've been ever since I moved in with him during the pandemic. We've been watching a ton of movies and one that I saw and I think it's called Alive. Yes. The Korean movie is a Korean movie. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I thought that was awesome. I really enjoyed it. I loved the zombies in it. So that was a great movie. And then I also saw Mama for the first time. I hadn't seen it before and I really liked that. There were some things that bugged me about that movie. Like I wanted more, I wanted to know what the hell happened to the wife in the beginning. And like, I wanted to know there was questions unanswered, but I really loved um, the characters in that movie. I loved the kids. I thought they were brilliant in that movie. It's great when you see a child actor that can really, you know, encompass like that, that role
2: and then like scurrying around on all fours. I thought that
3: was brilliant. I loved that movie.
2: I would say for me, I, I did just recently rewatch this and it just solidified why it's my favorite horror film is The New Evil Dead. I loved the goriness to it. I loved how they kind of went in more of a, a thriller aspect rather than, I mean, the first one was kind of comedic in a way. And this one was definitely a lot more uh, scary, I guess you can say, but it, I rewatched that recently and I just love it. And then, um, hereditary, uh, that one was insane. Just so cool. And you know, what's interesting that that was actually filmed in the city that I'm from. And so I recognized a lot of it and come to find out a kind of full circle here. The stunt guys that we worked with, our stunt coordinators for our Yorktown video we're the stunt guys in Hereditary. Oh, that's so cool! <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, the the film world, the horror film world. Uh, that's like any horror film that comes out or is on, you know, Netflix. Uh, we watch it immediately. We're immediately gravitating towards the one alive that Carla mentioned. It was gravitating to to watch that. And it spoke so much to the pandemic world. I loved it.
5: Since you mentioned uh, serial killers, is there one that fascinates you the most for a certain case?
2: I think we can both say probably Lonnie Franklin, the Grim Sleeper. Um, and we did write a, a song about him called Grim Sleeper. And gosh, I, I watch all the documentaries about all of them the golden state killer was recently arrested, which I thought was intriguing because they found him from DNA from his grandson or something like that, maybe his brother, but, uh, the grim sleeper, Lonnie Franklin, he took 13 years off and he was just a normal guy in, in Los Angeles, Uh, your your neighbor basically. (laughs) And, uh, and then when they, you know, when they caught him, that was incredible too, but we had written, a story about the 13 years he took off and and the back and forth of what it would feel like possibly as the victim. And then back and forth when Carl and I scream at each other, it's the victim communicating with the serial killer. And it's pretty interesting to dive into these stories and really put ourselves in them to do research on these uh we have a weird fascination with serial killers i have a horrible fascination with every crime podcast (laughs) it's just i mean i it's almost like i've stopped listening to music because i'm like i need more crime in my life (laughs) more murder (laughs) so so yeah i mean maybe we'll have to start our own crime podcast here but yeah that's any serial killer. I love all the different documentaries coming out. There was one on the Night Stalker, and I've learned so much about him. I loved the movie with Zac Efron playing Ted Bundy. I thought he did such an amazing job. And He portrayed him so well, just like the nice... Uh, suave kind of guy and a total nightmare on the back end. (laughs) But um, yeah, serial killers. I take my number. (laughs) 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
1: (laughs) Have you watched uh, any of Bailey Sarian's YouTube clips? That's the she does makeup while telling serial killer stories.
2: I've
3: seen her. She's rad. It's I wish I had thought of this idea. It's like the best idea. Here she is putting on this awesome makeup, telling these Awesome stories, and she's—you can't take her, your eyes off of her. She's
2: awesome. Okay, can you send that to me? I need it. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's like my favorite show to watch. Like I watch it every day, and it's on it, new episodes on Monday. Yeah, it's a trip. So this
2: is gonna ruin my life, right? guys. <laughs> well, it's amazing
1: too. Like Investigative Discovery Network, right? Like we can bring this stuff into our homes like nightly now, which is yeah, it's a little bit addictive. My, to- my
2: dude and I will cook dinner together, and it's our nightly routine. We cook dinner, we use the Traeger, whatever, right? But crime's always on in the background. It's just, it's our bond.
1: (laughs) The Traeger, is that a a grill? What is that? Is that like the Brava grill thing? Yeah,
2: it's a pellet smoker.
1: So you just wow. So what kind of stuff do you smoke? Everything. Really?
2: Veggies, chicken, (laughs) bodies
4: wow
1: (laughs) that's incredible yeah we discovered the brava recently which is like a grill that zaps things with light right
4: yeah it's Ah! it's amazing like it makes (laughs) the most amazing like really like healthy food yeah it makes the perfect eggs if you've ever wanted the perfect egg it's like it'll make it like sunny side up or
1: poached like you just dial it in and it zaps it and it's it's insane but yeah, since did. the pandemic, we've all been a little getting yeah. more creative with cooking, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: we're, all, we're all gourmet yeah, chefs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, to the classy tones of crime.
1: You guys appeared in one of our favorite director's films. It was in 2015, the Devil's Carnival sequel, which was tremendous. How did you guys get involved in that? You guys had like the wind up things on your backs. Were you like demonic toy soldiers?
3: You know, that was one of the funnest experiences that we've ever had together. I think um, our manager brought it to us. Uh, We used to be managed by Blasco, and he said, you guys want to do this? And we said, of course. And our scene was really cool because we got to have on this really uh, cool doll makeup. And we got to work with Paul Servino. And the coolest thing about it was Paul Servino would come into the makeup trailer, and we'd be getting our makeup done, and he would be next to us singing in Italian. So imagine like legends like that and having those experiences and getting this awesome makeup and having to do these real mechanical movements. And we got to sing on the soundtrack too. And it was just really, really great experience. So much fun.
2: It was fun too. Cause we got to do it with a lot of our, our peers, like Danny Warsnop was in it. We had a couple of friends that were in it as well. So it was kind of fun. The late nights filming, just yeah. bullshitting with friends and having fun. But we were, we both were actresses prior to you know, forming butcher babies. So for us, anything like that kind of comes naturally and especially anything in like the kind of quirky horror aspect that to us, it's so much fun. So we (laughs) catch us doing more.
1: (laughs) I think that
3: we would, we're a shoo-in for horror movies. So anybody out there, (laughs) we need to be cast
2: (laughs) in some movie somewhere.
1: Uh, Hell yeah.
2: Oh, I was going to say, if you haven't seen slasher on Netflix, I was in slasher um, season three, but every single season is different and they're amazing. They're very gory. I love gore. It's probably the goriest show or movie I've ever seen. I've never seen more gore than this show. So if you have not seen slasher, you have to see it. It's so, it's so good. And if you like horror, that's the one to go to.
5: Very cool.
2: Awesome.
5: Yeah. Since you both mentioned horror movies, I was curious and you're both very super creative. Is there any ideas or thoughts floating around that perhaps you guys would want to write and star in your own horror movie?
3: Yeah. You know, we actually had a comic book. We love we, we both are writers. We love stuff like that. I think we'd love to make our own movie. We had a comic book that based we had an origin story for our band where um, Heidi and I were raised by this. We were orphans and we were raised by this um this butcher who eats children, but he kept us because he knew that there was something special and magical about us. So we find Not out this. Far off. <laughs> we find out and um, long story short, we, um, you know, kill him. Maybe he might life. And, uh, you know, we embark on the road with this band and that's where we become, we become kind of like these serial killers ourselves, but we're avenging children. We're so, vid- all the body parts that we used to have on stage with us—they were taken. You know, every time we'd kill someone, we'd add a new body part to our stage show. So it went with our stage show. That's amazing. And all our,
2: all awesome. our tour dates, yeah. All the, all the tour dates in the comic book were based on where a new crime had happened. So it's like, oh, it looks like we're heading to Louisville. It looks like we're headed to Boston. You know, so we just watch the news for tour dates. <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> that is so great yeah oh my god seeing a, <laughs> a cinematic version of that would great. be incredible yeah hey, i was always curious yeah. this might be totally off and, and, and totally random being based in la is the song title magnolia boulevard a reference to that horror strip here in burbank they call the monster crawl with all the monster shops like aligning it
2: no, it's based
3: well it is based on Magnolia Boulevard. It's based on we both lived on in different areas on Magnolia Boulevard when we first moved to LA separately before we even knew each other and um, we kind of learned the ropes of, you know, living in LA and go we kind of went through it in these different locations on Magnolia Boulevard so that's the song. Is but
2: out. it wasn't just us. So every single member of Butcher Babies when we wrote Goliath, every single member had lived on a magnolia boulevard really Uh, yeah so it kind of was just like that's where we kind of had to grit our teeth and learn the lessons of los angeles and it kind of was just encompassed everything that we had each been through and the lessons we had learned we learned on magnolia boulevard so it kind of just made sense even though it's not in the song per se (laughs) But it has meaning to us. And since, you know, of course, you know, Burbank (laughs) and it does have all the awesome monster stores there and, you know, the the beautiful galleries. And I used to live uh, actually just before I moved from Los Angeles Two, uh, I live in Vegas now. I lived on Magnolia again.
1: (laughs) Speaking of that and just the shops and everything like that, a love of horror has the power to tap into that collecting gene in people. Are you guys curators of anything in particular that inspires you, whether it be horror art or action figures, comic books, anything like that? Anything you like to keep around you to get your creative synapses firing?
3: I'm a huge collector. I have. Tons of stuff. I'll take you around. Oh, yeah.
1: I can see some in the back. Wow.
3: It's kind of hard to see, probably, but I have cases upon cases and cases. Oh, this is something you guys might love. This is from, remember I was talking about um, the body parts on stage? Yes. That, that beautiful lady, if you can see it, it's kind of dark, is uh, one of our original torsos from the show that, and then I have just just tons of cases everywhere in, um, of, of, collector's items you know comic book stuff horror movie stuff all different kinds of stuff i love stuff like that and um my whole house has a giant han and carbonite and pinball machines and you know monsters we just got the monsters pinball machine.
4: oh so we I'm, have that too is the greatest
3: oh, it's the greatest so yeah i love collecting things i'm lucky that i have a partner that also loves collecting things i don't even know what i do i've i've had People in the past tell me they didn't want to be surrounded by all my shit. You know, And it's like, so it's awesome to have a partner that has lets me have all my toys everywhere.
1: That's definitely a thing. We get that a lot because, awesome. yeah, we're the same way. We have all the same kind of things around the house. And we always get that. Well, which one of you let the other person have all this stuff? And it's like, no, no, we, we both <laughs> like it. Yeah. You know, and then it becomes an explosion. Then there's no one to say no, though. That's the thing, right? It eats your house.
4: Yeah. You
2: you know exactly what to get your significant other (laughs) for for gifts. I just collect skulls. Like my whole house is just like I get different skulls from different parts of the world that we go to. And every time that I've been to Mexico, I've had to pick up a new sugar skull (laughs) in a way. So my whole house is just adorned with them. Other than that, I try and live as a minimalist because... I grew up in chaos with just shit everywhere. I think my mom has like forty-five vacuums, so I just—I <laughs> think she may have narrowed it down to like ten now. But <laughs> <laughs> <That's>
1: like Lauren, <laughs> <laughs> that's a <lot> of
2: <laughs> as an adult, as I've gotten much older, I understand the vacuum hoarding thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like this one is for tables, this one is for this, this one's a handheld. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah
1: that's right. Yeah, or yeah, any of those skulls, uh, crystal skulls.
2: Oh, like crystal head. Yeah, I have several of them. And then um, actually, years and years ago, Carla had a party and her mom was so cute and got all these, they're almost like rhinestone encrusted skulls. And um, I got two of them. So those are in my house, too. And it's always a party. You can you can admit it was my wedding <laughs> it was my first wedding. I didn't know if you wanted me to say and it
3: was actually it was one of those things where it was a struggle because I wanted a till death theme with skulls and horror, and I wanted because um, I was an embalmer. I wanted like old school embalming um, bottles all over the tables, and he didn't want that. And I should have known right there it wasn't going to work out. But oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> hey. find me a shit ton of gorgeous like crystal skulls, and all my friends got to take one home.
2: I took two. <laughs> i actually it, uh, henry was there too so henry's in the band so so i took his and it lives in our house <laughs> there you go
0: the boo crew will be right Edgar Allan Poe wrote Spirits of the Dead with a pen dipped in warm blood. You will see the ultimate in terror with this important all-star cast. Brigitte Bardot, Alain Delon, Jane Fonda, Terence Stamp, and Peter Fonda in Edgar Allan Poe's Spirits of the Dead. Only Poe's demented genius could bring to the screen such horror and evil. Spirits of the Dead stars Brigitte Bardot, Alain Delon, Jane Fonda, Terence Stamp, and Peter Fonda. Directed by three masters of the cinema. Federico Fellini, Louis Malle, and Roger Vadim. Spirits of the Dead is an adventure in terror beyond your wildest nightmares. Spirits of the Dead in color is rated R.
5: Carla, since you, worked the, you mentioned you worked with, uh, with the mortician and bombing and all that, I got to know have you ever encountered anything really creepy?
3: not in the funeral home and I would have to open up the funeral home and close it by myself and then close the cemetery gates by myself. When I first started, they just they literally gave me the keys and I would do all the nightly viewings for my very first job. It was just, and I never had anything like I wanted something so badly to like, give me a sign and nothing did. But I mean, it is a creepy job in and of itself, you know, and most people, would find it creepy just walking in and (laughs) seeing all the bodies in the back. But I didn't see anything like paranormal in. I have had other experiences. Both Heidi and I both have had experiences with paranormal, uh, but not in the funeral home. All you have to do is
4: come
2: live with me and you'll experience all of it. (laughs) I
4: want to hear your guys' paranormal (laughs) stories. I love hearing ghost stories.
2: We talk about ghost farts, Heidi. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Those i don't know why, but they're always around Carla's bunk. I can't figure it out. <laughs> just kidding. Mine are
3: more like nice, friendly visitings from my relatives who have passed on, and. I'm actually an atheist, but I do believe your energy goes somewhere. I don't believe like in heaven and hell, but I do believe your energy goes somewhere, you know, and I can't really explain where that is yet or no, you know, knows, but I've had visits from people that were very close to me. And one um, was the, My grandfather and grandmother put me in music lessons when I was a kid. They really, really pushed me to become a musician. My grandpa was, he was my step-grandpa. He was a drummer in a band and my grandma just loved music. So he always paid for my lessons and um, I wasn't able, he died. I wasn't able to go to his funeral. We were starting off on a tour right after our Mayhem Fest. And I was in my bunk one day and I felt someone just kind of stroking my hair and looking at me. And I woke up and it was my grandpa. And he's like, I just wanted you to know, I'm very proud of you. And it was like very, you could feel the presence there. So I, it was very real. It wasn't like a dream that my grandpa was in. It's like, I could feel his hand on my hair.
2: It was so real that I actually woke Heidi up. And I said, my grandpa was here visiting me. She, she was, was crying. It was so, it was like, I, I could feel it. It was so real. Like, yeah, it was a, a dream.
1: Oh my gosh. Would you say that that would be probably the, the experience that switched you into a believer?
3: I had the same thing happen with my great grandma that I was very close to. She was an artist and she, when she came, she came to me after she died and she's basically the same kind of thing happened. She let me know that she was okay and that I was going to be okay because she really like was everything to me. So, um, and I wouldn't say that it, I, I say that it makes me a believer in the fact that there are spirits in people around us and they, when, they, when you need them, they're there for
1: you. That's incredible. And Heidi, on on the flip side, I've seen some Instagram footage you recently have posted of mysterious orbs flying around your place. Well,
2: so, this all started for me in about 2004. And my apartment that I had, this was my sophomore year of college. And my apartment that I had was crazy haunted. And it scared me to the point where I could not sleep with the lights off for about two years. I didn't see a horror film. I couldn't watch. I couldn't even watch trailers of horror films. It, it was terrifying. One night in particular, I thought maybe I was crazy. But my my dude at the time saw the exact same thing and brought it up to me the next day. And so there's I, I could go on for hours on the stories with these two, you know, different noises, uh, different signs. Um, I did say that I do collect skulls. So as the years have gone on, I obviously move with all my skulls, and sometimes some of them will be just facing different ways. And I moved into this new place in Las Vegas and I'm not scared of this being, anymore. At first I was absolutely terrified, of course, but I think that as I've come to terms with the being a reality in my life, it's not something that scares me. It's more so like, ah, it's here. And she's a, she I've seen her. So I know she's a, she, and so she's here. When I moved into my house in Las Vegas, everything was new. Everything was super clean. You know, I, I walk upstairs and I see the same window every day. And then one day, there's a big giant X on the window and it's coming from the outside. You can't even get up there. So I'm just like, okay, she's here. <laughs> so yeah. And you know, my, 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 boyfriend doesn't believe it, but there were, there's been nights where there's one night where both of our phones at the exact same time on the opposite sides of the bed. Just fell off the bed and landed on the floor. Both phones at the exact same time. I don't know. Maybe there was an earthquake. <laughs> but to me, you know, I this is just something that I have, you know, embraced in my life. And I fully believe in it. Um, in fact, there is a place in Las Vegas called the Pioneer Saloon. And I just realized, or it was I, we were just there for Valentine's Day. And they told us that they do, they bring in a medium and a whole ghost hunting team. And from midnight to 4 a.m., they do this experience with you. And this this Pioneer Saloon is very old, very famous, very haunted. (laughs) So that's something we're going to get a bunch of of friends together and go do. So I'm really excited about it. But I'm all for all the ghost hunting.
4: Um, Like I said, I'm not really scared of it anymore. It's more so something that intrigues me. Since being in Vegas, have you gone to Zach Bagans Museum, his haunted museum?
2: I've not. I've not. And I need to. I need to because he's a local. When I started posting about the orbs and the different things that I've seen in my house, my security cameras and so forth a lot of people started tagging Zach Baggins and they're like, you guys need to get together. And I really, really want to go to his place, especially since we're not touring. It's like, I have all the time in the world to do all the haunted shit. <laughs> there's, there's all sorts of ghost towns around Vegas. So oh, yeah. I I fully intend on taking full advantage of it.
1: Carla, I wanted to ask you about something that kind of started to happen and then it got postponed, but there was an art show in Chicago and the poster is this amazing half and half portrait of the bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. What could you tell us about that art show and that side of you?
3: Super excited about it. So I'm, um, it's me and Charlie, Benante. He's my boyfriend. So it's his first time displaying all his art. So I'm super proud of him. He's an amazing artist and, uh, he never shows it off. So I'm really stoked for him to do it. And I'm stoked, obviously to do it for myself as well. Uh, the art on the flyer is something that Charlie and I drew together years ago. Um, we, he was on the road with motorhead and I went out to visit him and we just started drawing this piece together and uh, we did it with pencils, ink and Copic marker. So I did the bride half and he did the Frankenstein half. And, uh, so that's one thing we, especially during the pandemic, we've gotten to, you know, spend our Friday and Saturday nights where we would be out drinking and having dinner somewhere instead drawing with each other. And it's, we're so lucky to have that and share that. And, uh, it's been kind of the most romantic nights I've ever had with him. Just being able to sit and just do art together.
1: I love it. Yeah. Creating Taylor. That's amazing. And then on your website, you've got that pretty girls do ugly things where people can get different art pieces and cards and all of that stuff. How long have you been kind of curating that experience?
2: When we started
3: touring, I knew that I was going to have to do something to make money. So I kind of I was like, you know what? I better start drawing again. Drawing was a passion of mine. I I went to art school years and years ago. And then I just kind of I wanted to move to L.A. and be a rock star. So I stopped drawing for years and years. Art school will make you hate art. Doesn't make you want to pick up a pencil ever, ever again. They put me in an automotive design program because of my portfolio and I didn't want to do it. Tried it, hated it, was crappy about it until I decided that I was just going to go to LA instead. But I'm glad that I have that passion back because it really just, you know, especially even on tour, I draw on tour, it kind of passes the hours away. There's so many hours in the day you know and the best part of the day is being on stage in front of everybody but the long hours beforehand you know it's like gym and then sit around and wait and so drawing fills that that void for me so I'm really lucky to have it and again it was something that I knew that I had to have some sort of income because when you're a a new touring band you know you can't especially and I'm an adult I have bills to pay so I'm not like a 20 year old kid that could go out and just leave everything behind and be like yeah I'm just gonna go Sure, it's great. I'm going to make no money and life is going to be awesome. I got couches to sleep on. <laughs> I want to say, too, back in the day when I was in school and I would draw all day and all I wanted to do was draw comic books and be in a band. And everyone tells you, no, 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 you can't make a living off that. You can't make a living. You can't do those things. Well, fuck you, because that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm making art and music. Living. So
2: <laughs> screw everybody. Always Always a diet middle
1: finger. <laughs> speaking of artwork, I mean, comic books have been a part of the butcher babies experience since the beginning, as you said, with the, the first book they ended up releasing at Comic-Con at the inception of the band. What were the titles you guys first discovered and what is it about comics that you love?
3: I think for me, comics are just, you know, when you're a kid and you're lonely and you maybe come from a broken home and your surroundings seem very dismal, they're an outlet. And, um, Comic book characters are real people at the base of it all. They are real people with real emotions. Some of them are going through the same things that you are, but they have this thing about them. There's something special about them. They can fly, they can save the world. They can do this. They have that little bit of action that you can like lose yourself in. I always thought that, you know, being a character was so much cooler than my real boring life, you know, growing up in Mm -hmm. in Detroit. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's kind of an escape, If you're a character, you can just be anything you want on any given day. And you're not, you know, the buck toothed frizzy haired kid, you know, that everybody makes fun of. You can be a superhero in your own mind. And so ever since I was a kid, I've been, you know, drawing, doodling comics, writing comics and and just really passionate about them. I loved the Hulk when I was a kid. That was the first character that I really felt uh, like akin with, because I think because I was a really angry kid. And so the Hulk was this mild mannered, you know, person, which I was. I was a quiet nose and nose in a book kind of kid, but I had this rage inside of me, and so I identified with the Hulk. And my first whole sentence even had the Hulk in it. So, (laughs) my told my my mom's park, and there was graffiti everywhere. And I said, mommy, why can't the Hulk come fix this?
1: (gasps) Amazing.
3: (laughs) (laughs) um, So that's a comic book character. I think have always just been just larger than life. And I always wanted to be larger than life. I didn't want to be where I was. I wanted to be something different and it, provided an escape. So Hulk, and then I found image comics in, you know, the nineties, they call them the broke back bitches with the ridiculous exaggerated bodies. And I was like, damn, I want to look like that one day. And I just, so I fell in love with that kind of stuff.
2: I think that that's something also that plays into you know, when we first started the band, those are characters, you know, the with the eye bar and the makeup, and it, it exuded a different personality in us. Like, you know, we got up there, we're spitting blood and doing all this stuff, and we get off stage, and this is us. You know, (laughs) and I think that that kind of character building has been always something that's been very, very important for us. I did not grow up with comic books. My parents, that was not something I was introduced to at all. I grew up in film and television. My parents own a production company. And so my whole entire life, I grew up behind and in front of the camera. And I think that character building with with those roles as well. And, um, you know, learning about the different dynamics of imagery. I think that that was something that definitely bled over into our professional career that goes hand in hand with comic books and that I learned as an adult. Like I said, it just it just wasn't something that was introduced to me as a kid. So I was more of the one who, my parents would go to bed and I wasn't allowed to watch MTV, but I'd sneak into the bit, the basement and turn on MTV and see Marilyn Manson music videos. And, you know, all of the, your Slipknot music videos, Mudvayne, all that kind of stuff. And those were characters. And I think that, to me, they told such an amazing story, and, and and you know, as Carla said, they're they're larger than life. And to me, they were not only screaming about the feelings I had on the inside as you know a, a Mormon kid who was told what to look like, what to. You know, what to dress like, what to talk like, everything. And that was my escape was watching these artists. And so I think that, you know, they are larger than life, just like the comic book characters. And as I've grown, I've definitely found a correlation between the two. And it's fun. I've loved diving into the comic book world with Carla. She's taught me a lot with it. And we'll go on tour and we'll go look into, you know, different comic book stores and she'll be able to tell me different stories and i loved the uh the dark Supergirl. what's her name <laughs> the the Supergirl who wore the black outfit and i just thought it was you know i, I love diving into these and i think it's cool but it, like again it wasn't something i grew up with
4: this new song and video for yorktown is a comic book come to life can you guys tell us about the inception of that song
2: yeah when writing that song it kind of just the music alone kind of pulled for a story like this and we have always been storytellers in our music like we said you know telling about a serial killer or um our song monsters ball is about the emotion you feel when you're in a pit at a metal show yeah going um over the crowd and it's, it's all a story. And so when it came to writing Yorktown, it kind of just each word just kind of fell into place. And the, the cool thing when Carl and I write together, it really is like you finish each other's sentences. We've written together for so many years. We know where each thing's going to go. And so when we have a, a theme oh it's so easy we right. both just like how about this oh and this could go after and then this could go after and we loved the idea of that character you know just this badass and we only come out at night and when it came to the video it was an obvious it was an obvious play and we loved you being able to bring in the you know the female empowerment nod with you know when strong females unite it's uh, we're, we're more than powerful to us. This song is really special. It's really special. And we had a blast writing it. And I remember leaving the studio the day that we wrote it. I remember leaving the studio feeling like this is one of the most special songs we've ever written. And the feedback from our fan base, they're confirming that. <laughs> and it, it's so fun. We just, We love the story behind it.
1: I was going to ask about that, you know, relationship of storytelling and the music of Butcher Babies. There is that very intoxicating cinematic quality to your writing that has been there since it's been a common thread since the beginning, but it, it really has evolved. Through Lilith and it soars on these new singles we've been hearing. There like Lilith is a great example of that grandiose melodic theme and a very visual vocal performance, or there's the poetic dynamics of a song like Bottom of a Bottle or Sleeping with the Enemy. Talk a bit about the evolution of the writing and what's fun and challenging about the music you guys are making now, this new stuff.
3: I think that in the beginning, you know, we were really just Five kids in a, in a garage, literally our drummer's garage, just tr- learning how to write music together. And uh, we'd all been in different bands, but nothing that had taken off and been, um, you know, life changing or anything. So we started off just writing together and just learning about each other. And Heidi and I got really, really lucky because we got to team up with three of the most talented guys, like right off the bat, we didn't, we didn't have like some weird, well, actually we did, but we won't talk about that. We, we, we had, we had a pretty strong, um, you know, writing team from the get go, which was a total gift for us because I mean, the music's not good. We can't possibly write any good, you know, lyrics or vocal melodies over it. So that was a gift. And I think each, each, uh, single album just keeps growing because we just we keep growing as musicians i mean we were on the road between uh goliath and take it like a man for so long that our our vocals and the each guy in the band we just all got so much better what we did even you know so that the songwriting became better our performances got better and with lilith i think that actually like took Took the cake. I think it's a beautiful album to me, and the producer we worked with on that album, he really, really made us work extra hard as far as vocal melodies, making sure every single note was correct when you go and sing it in the booth, uh, which made us even even better at what we do. This time, writing uh, the, the latest stuff, we wanted to kind of branch out even more and try to, you know, write some songs that were more radio friendly than what we usually do. There's been some naysayers that say, oh, it's too soft. But I think that it's a testament to how versatile that we are and how willing we are to try new things. And, uh, you know, everybody grows up liking different things. Uh, You know, I mean, some of the first stuff that I loved was extremely poppy, um, you know, Belinda Carlisle type stuff. So why can't I draw from my experience being a kid that loved Belinda Carlisle and bring it into Butcher Babies now and Heidi, you know, vice versa, why can't we do that? So that's what we're doing, and not everything's going to be poppy or um, you know radio
2: friendly. But why not throw a few songs in that really kind of speak to each single part of us? It's definitely everything that we've done has been a natural progression too. When we first started, Carla and I both were really angry at the world, and you could see it on our faces. You can hear it in our lyrics. We we're very angry, and everything was sprinkled with a dash of anger on top. And I think as we have grown as people and, you know, the different experiences that we've had in our lives, I think it brought out a little bit more vulnerability in both of us. And these, these are emotions that you can hear on our new stuff. And in Lilith as well, I'm not as angry as I used to be. I used to get on stage and this was my face. Now I get on stage and this is my face. Like, (laughs) you know, I love what I do and I'm so grateful for it. And I feel like some of my favorite music has been really honest. And I think that you can hear that in a song like Bottom of a Bottle, the honesty of loneliness. And, you know, the song sounds very upbeat and really fun. But when you dive into the lyrics and the storytelling of it, it's a really lonely song and it's where we were at the time that we, re- they, we wrote it. And even the song Sleeping with the Enemy, where we're talking about ourselves. The enemy is yourself. Um, the, the lyrics say, I'm a liar, a fake, everything that I hate. It's like sometimes you look in the mirror and you're like, what have I become? And I think that having that vulnerability and that storytelling is just an honest piece of, piece of us. And we've never been fake in our writing it's all real it's all things that we feel things that we've researched things that we want to talk about and I think that that's kind of what makes us a little bit special in a way there's no genre that we really hold to it's just how we feel at the moment and so to us like I feel honest putting out music like that now if I were you know (laughs) my age now I'm almost 36 years old and, you know, screaming like a pissy 20 year old, like I was, it wouldn't be honest, (laughs) you know, it would, it wouldn't come across as me anymore. And of course I love diving into those songs. We have dove into our first album a lot recently for a secret, but you know, I love playing those songs and it brings me back to the time that it was written and the emotions that I was feeling at the time, but I'm definitely not that person anymore. And I want to write about who I am now. And I think we both can agree to that. Sorry, Carla, just answering all these questions for you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very well said, Carla, did you have anything to add on that or?
3: No, I mean, she basically finished what I was saying. You know, we We've been through the same thing together, which isn't the awesome thing about being in Butcher Babies is that, you know, most vocalists don't have someone else to share everything with. And uh, we we do. So a lot of the things that she she's feeling I felt or am
2: feeling or, you know, whatever. Oh, we'll free write like sometimes we'll both free write and we'll have written about the same thing. Like it happens all the time because we just experience the same things together. So that's that's a unique thing about us for sure. I was
5: gonna say the Yorktown video. I love the fun old school Batman TV show fight captions and cheerleaders and all the fight fighting stunts. Did you do your own uh, fighting stunts and choreography for that video?
3: Yeah, yeah, we did. It was really fun. I've never had the opportunity
2: to work on wires before. I don't know if Heidi, Heidi, did you before? Yeah, uh, I was a, I was a, I was Jamie Presley's stunt double for My Name Is Earl, so I did a lot of weird shit. Oh, cool. That's
5: are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice.
2: But yeah, we did our own stuff cheerleader too so
3: she's used to like jumping around and doing stuff like that but i hadn't so it was a really cool experience to um, do the wires and do the stunts and uh we you know we had a little choreographed fight scene i saw someone uh comment earlier that the uh, kapows ruined the fight scene and i'm like yeah it probably would have been a lot better if we were rolling around in jello right dude <laughs> i didn't see that well
2: the the fun thing is so this video was I mean, we're hands on with all of our videos, every single one that we do. This one in particular, though, was made at my parents' studio. My parents did all the my whole family did all the lighting, all the crew work. They're in the video. This, you know, the stunt coordinators, like we said, they're from Utah. They're they're very good friends with my brother-in-law, who was our director for it. And it was just really fun to do the whole entire treatment, work with the cheerleaders, and then get to be able to perform it as well get up there and you know hang on wires and do backflips and shit it was really fun and carla years and years ago we learned the how to like throw each other, and so we kind of w- went over it again. And she threw me, and you see me get thrown, and our fight scene and stuff. And it's just fun. It's fun for us to dive in and do these things on our own. What fun would it be if someone was getting thrown instead of me? Like we got to, you know. <laughs>
1: One last question we just wanted to wrap it up with uh, is that myself, Lauren and Leo are all from a radio background. We all met at K-Rock. Lauren was an associate producer at Loveline. Leo was in the promo department. I was the imaging director and still am. And Heidi, we know you have a radio background. What do you think of with all the different choices that there exists today and satellite and all these different entertainment choices and online? What do you think radio needs to do to continue to be compelling in this day and age?
2: I think that it's all about the on-air talent, 100%. I worked at FM radio, I worked at Sirius XM. One thing I loved about FM radio is the creativity that you have to come up with to abide by the FCC rulings. And I love it. As long as you have compelling on-air talent, I think it's amazing. I But my entire life, I remember even during school as a kid, during summer, I would set my alarm for seven 30 in the morning to listen to the morning show. I am so captivated by a good group of radio DJs that can play well off of each other. And I, I really think that that could save radio and When all is said and done with Butcher Babies, which I hope never happens, (laughs) I definitely want to go back to radio. I would definitely do it again in a heartbeat. To me, I thought it was so much fun. And um, I can totally hear your radio voice. (laughs) It's so funny. I was always like, yes, I do have a face for radio. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I, I just I love I love that medium and I hope that it stays alive.
1: Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining us for this. This has been absolutely incredible. Thank you guys so much. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 211. Special thanks to our guests Heidi Shepard and Carla Harvey from Butcher Babies. Follow at Butcher Babies on Twitter and Instagram. Get their new singles Yorktown, Sleeping with the Enemy, and Bottom of a Bottle, and their latest album, Lilith, available now. At time of release, don't miss their Goliath Live worldwide streaming event, March 27th and on demand for one week after. Music for this episode from Butcher Babies. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it is the Boo Crew saying sweet screams.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Anton the Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shen, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shan. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network.
2: Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew for horror-centric interviews, SCP Archives, weekly full cast storytelling, <laughs> horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas, listen free wherever you stream audio and at
0: bloodydisgusting.com/podcasts.